heavy stuff, lots of really relevant stuff to the world that we live in. I think it's somewhat relieving to know it's kind of been like this for a long time, but it's also kind of disheartening to know. <laughs> like humans are humans and they are so prone to to wander, you know? It's so easy to get caught up into stuff you shouldn't be a part of. And uh, so we're kind of a dealing with sexual immorality at the end of chapter six, uh, because it was rampant in the church in Corinth. It was, it was allowed, seemingly. And uh, so Paul had to crack the whip to uh, get them back into that into shape to know where they're supposed to be uh, and to know how to run to win. That's kind of the whole point of all of that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're not doing the whole chapter this week, okay? We have been doing that uh, in the last couple, but this one's 40 verses, so we're going to break it up. So let's pray and we'll get started. God, we thank you for this time, for this morning, for each and every person here. We pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit. God, we know we're weak and insufficient in and of ourselves. We need your help. So God, we pray that you would help us, that you would um, you know, just uh, you give the right words. You know, I'd be able to speak with the right words that would encourage, that would uh, convict, that you just would do that in our hearts, Lord, this morning. And we would leave this place closer to you, uh, knowing what you want from us, knowing who we're supposed to be. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That's in quotations. Uh, they had written to Paul. We know Paul writes these epistles to all these different churches, you know, to, to, and this one obviously is to Corinth. They can also write letters back. And so they had written a letter to Paul. And we also know there was a letter before this that wasn't part of the canon of scripture, but it was nevertheless a letter um, to this church. So there'd been correspondence. Remember, he'd been in Corinth. He'd lived there for a year and a half and he'd established this church. And, and it was a really cool work of God. There's for all the bad things of the church in Corinth, there was really good things too. Um, God was using them in a, in a mighty way in so many ways, but they had written to him. Some had thought it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Uh, as he's addressing the, these issues, he, he's getting, their questions saying, basically, should we throw out the baby with the bathwater? Would it be more holy to just not have sexual relations at all and just be married and be holy together um, and not, you know, not, you know, that's how, how holy and how, you know, we are. I remember messing with my friend about that because he was, he's like, I met this girl and she's perfect. It's just God, man. It's just God. It's not even anything else. It's just God. I said, oh, you guys should just never consummate the marriage and it'll be just God. And I love messing with people like that, but that's not, um, that's not healthy at all. Right. And so I'm sorry. Welcome into my mind. If you're new here, thank you for coming. I know you're probably leaving now, but just kidding. Hopefully not. Uh, but there's, there was like a bit of that mentality because there's always like kind of two sides, right? There's the side that you go way too, too liberal on things in, in the sense of I can do whatever I want to do and I'm, you know, and, and Corinth had that. Well, we could just keep on seeing the prostitutes because that doesn't seem to be a problem in our culture, right? Christians can do that, right? You know, go see the prostitute on, on Saturday, go to church on Sunday. It would work out, right? So you have that whole side, and then you have the other side that's like, no, 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 we're not going to even sniff around sexual activity at all. 
both are very dangerous, aren't they? Living fully uh, in a legalistic way is just as dangerous as living in a flesh, just full-on fleshly way. Matter of fact, legalistic like living is fleshly living. Like they're actually not different. They're the same. They just are on different sides of the spectrum accomplishing the same thing. So he says, you guys have written this to me. They're ready to throw out the baby and the bathwater, right? And the bathtub and everything. So it's all gone. So they, they had decided to combat carnality. They were going to take things matters into their own hands and level it up a few notches. We actually see this throughout scripture a couple times where, you know, Peter is like, Lord, you can't, was it Peter? You can't wash my feet. And he's like, oh, all right, then I can't have nothing to do with you. Then wash my whole body. He's like, just your feet, Peter. It's just your feet. That's it. That's all I asked for, you know? And it's like, okay, not only would I, not only will I not back down, I will die for you. He's like, Peter, no, you won't. You won't do that. But you always got to take it up so many notches at once. Just do the one little thing I've asked of you. Not the big, all that. You can't do that, Peter. Matter of fact, Peter did end up dying for him, so I guess he was a man of his word. Throw it all out the window. It's all good. No. But that's, that's the point. We're like that, too. We're like, God, if you come through with me, for me, I'll never watch TV again in my entire life. And he's like, did I ask you to do that? Like, what is that promise? I'm not into, like, broken promises anyway. You know, that's not really great. So why don't you just come to me and abide in me and enjoy my grace and, and move forward? Uh, verse 2, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Now, what's interesting is we're going to see that one of the things that is important in avoiding sexual immorality is actual sexual activity in marriage, right? Because there's a bit of a guarding there and there's a bit of a, you know, somewhat of a fulfillment of, you know, man and woman made to be fruitful and multiply, right? So uh, he's saying like, since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. But it's important for you to understand it is only with them. Out of all the people in the world, it's them, okay? That is, they are the only ones that have this place. So he said, the husband shall fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. There's a sense of duty to this call and, the, and you can regard and help to protect your spouse and helping them not to stumble, right? Um, the, the, we're going to see it's more than just actual like sex. It is, uh, it's affection. It's intimacy. It's closeness, right? Because it's not everybody's on the same page on all that. It's not just that. That's it's not it. It's being able to be together and to guard each other, help each other, to look out for each other's good, Notice what it says, it's, it is the, the marital duty, uh, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. It doesn't say he should be expecting things from his wife. It says he should fulfill his part, and the, likewise, the wife should do hers. This is no excuse at all for the spouse to point fingers, really, or anything like that, but you lead by example, uh, Again, reading through that Disciplines of a Godly Man talks about good marriages, good solid marriages. And, and one of the most, um, the best things you can do for yourself is love your spouse well. <laughs> if you love your spouse well, there's a whole bunch of reciprocation that comes out. One of the worst things you can do is be selfish because it turns everybody off of each other, right? 
or be a total jerk and this does not work well, right? But as you love your spouse well, they, they experience that and they feel that. And there's, talk about intimacy, it's, it's there. There's a restoration of that. So you, you know, it's all connected. The wife does not have authority over her, bo- her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. This is the mindset that you have. It's not about, see, see. You know, this is, this is where everybody's like, this is my favorite section of scripture because um, my, my wife needs to read this. If you say your wife needs to read this, you completely miss the point. It's about you. What about you? And you're like, oh, well, well, see, that's the thing, you know, is like, I'm trying to give myself to her, but she doesn't want that. Because you're trying to give her what you want, not what she wants, right? (laughs) And vice versa, the other side, she's trying to give you what she wants and not what you, and so that you're like, this is a problem. You find that at the conference, or this is fresh, right? We just had the marriage retreat, but you find that love door where you're able to show love and give love and experience. It's amazing what it opens up in your life in general. So to look at this and say, see, your, your body's mine. And you're like, oh, this is bad. This is not going to go well. Okay. Come on in to counseling, counseling. It's time, you know, like, this is not going to go well. I read it in scripture and, and I'm a, you know what? I'm a man that, you know, when I read the scripture, I believe it. Yeah. You believe what you want to believe about it. Don't you? You know, <laughs> you like to tweak it a little bit, don't you? A little bit here and there, make it work for me. The idea again is that you willingly submit yourself to the other, but, but the, it, it is important to understand that this is a real principle in marriage. That you are not your own. When we say to become one, what does that mean? That you are one, right? So like what I do affects you and what you do affects me. Those who are married, you, you know, if your spouse is, is not doing well, they're down, they're struggling, it really affects you. And on the other side, you, some, usually when you're the one going through stuff, you don't realize how much it, it, it affects them because you're kind of already in it. But on the other side, you, you know, when you're in it, they're affected. So you got to be willing to understand, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, how am I, how am I expressing myself to you? How am I laying my because everything I go through you go through too this is the whole issue with communication right also because you have two sides that are one but they're not communicating with one another this is not good right you have you say you're one and each body's your own but you don't talk to each other this is not this is not healthy this is not good you know the the, the struggles felt by both of you in any situation there's, when, there's, when there's separation, it hurts both sides. How that manifests might look different, right? Even the thing that you think separates you might look different. But at the end of the day, the key is intimacy. And what is marriage? What is the whole point of marriage? It really is this beautiful picture of Christ and the church. And what's the whole point of Christ and the church? Intimacy. So you find you're struggling with intimacy with God, you will struggle with intimacy in your marriage. And really, to a certain extent, vice versa, some, somewhat. 
Obviously, God's the most important relationship. But when you find yourself struggling in these ways and you, you're just like self-made, on your own, here we go, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to you know, work through it. I, was feeling, I wasn't feeling good this morning. I was like, just muscle up, go. You got it. And I told Tori, I was like, you should tell my wife, right? And she said, I actually woke up and I thought you, that, you, that this was happening to you. Like, she, like, knew. She's like, were you, was there something that made it clear? And I was like, no. So, because my stomach kind of hurt. I feel good now. That's God, right? Um, and I was just, you, don't say that. Like, when I was, that wasn't being rude when we were saying hi to everyone. I was like, hey, uh, elbows, okay. Pick up your own shirt over here, okay? I'm not going to touch it. But I feel all right. Never, nothing ever came out. There you go. Again, if you're new here, thank you for coming. Um, there's a really polished church somewhere, probably on this street. So, um, <laughs> I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it just to myself. Okay, so there, there we go. But, but I just was like, man, I'm so foolish to take everything on myself. And then when you like lay that down, you're like, well, yeah, do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in it's good to have people pray for you? And then everyone's praying and they're like, oh, everyone's scared of me. Those of you who are in the prayer meeting, you all know you're scared of me. And I'm, I understand. I'm a germaphobe now too because of my wife. Thank you, Tori. We are one. But it's that, that, that thing to re- recognize, like, man, I'm just not my own. I'm, I'm not autonomous. So when I make a decision and say, I want to get married to you and spend the rest of my life with you, then that means all of it. This is why when you, our, our marriage counselor, when he was counseling with us, says, I usually just try and break up the couple. <laughs> That's my goal. You want me to do your marriage counseling? That's awesome. Let's meet on Thursday here comes the heat, you know? He brings out the flamethrower. Let's see what you guys are made of. And it's like, I don't know if I want to get married. Perfect. Then you shouldn't, you know? Because it's serious. It's real. And, and to understand the seriousness of it is, is important because you are one with your spouse, whether you like it or not, whether you try and mentally ascend or escape, you are one. So you got to deal with that, work through that. He says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So he says, don't deprive one another. Deprivation looks like many different things though, doesn't it? Depriving someone, you can deprive someone in so many different ways. Just kind of like, just like abuse. There's not just one kind of abuse, is there? It's not just physical abuse. There's emotional, there's spiritual, there's all this, all these things are all, well, what did I do to you? I didn't lay a hand on you. You you destroyed me. (laughs) This conversation was horrendous. What have you done to me, you know? And, And even worse than both of those, I think is spiritual abuse. Where you take, take the authority God's given you and people's reverence for that and you use it for your own gain. That's called spiritual abuse. Run when you see spiritual abuse. These people, you got to get away quick because they're a time bomb. It's coming. It's all going to explode eventually. Because where there's smoke, there's fire. Spiritual abuse. I mean, look, we're all human. We all make mistakes. But anyway, not for your own gain, right? And at the same time, you're like, God, look at me. Make sure I'm not like that. (laughs) Because sometimes you have your own blind spots. But don't deprive one another. Speaking, he's speaking, obviously the subject is sex. And so he's saying, don't deprive one another. Don't manipulate and withhold for no reason. 
Because that, what, you know what that does is it hurts the other person and it makes them build up walls and more walls. By all means, communicate. But if you really love your spouse, then you will not want them to, to be enter into the next realm, which is Satan's like playground. It is temptation zone. Because you're like, all, all that I thought my life would be, my marriage would be, blah, blah, blah. It is not what I thought it would be. And now I'm getting, now I'm like on my own. You don't care about me. You know what? What does it matter? I'm just going to go ahead and dot, 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 right? Fill in the blank. <laughs> we, we all know this, right? Because we, we, we're sinners, we're humans, and we know what it feels like to be like this. So really, it's coming down again to understanding, like, even though it's not about you, it's not about you. It's kind of like holding your spouse's spiritual and their walk with God, like you're holding it up in a sense, right? Not like it's between them and God, but you have the ability to really help them and assist them and encourage them. And in the, likewise, you can also big time stymium, stifle them, send them backwards, get them to not believe in intimacy at all, make them scared of, God and, and you and everything because you burned them. It's a heavy thing, right? We all have to read the same Bible, don't we? We're all listening to this, right? We're all reading this. I'm just like, but it's important to do that. And he says, except for maybe, and notice it says by mutual consent, having a time apart where you can, you know, talk and pray and fast and, and, and bring something, but it's mutual consent. That's important. I consented to this. No, it's mutual consent. You're both on the same page. You're both, you know, figuring it out together and working through it together. And then Paul says, but you better not make it too long. There's reasons for that. There's, you know, the, but the reality of prolonged separation in this sense is not good. There's an idea, you know, you can be separated to work through stuff and to be able to dial it in, but, but not for too long good to work through stuff when you can. I say this as a concession, not as a command, meaning what I'm telling you guys right now is not like a command, like, okay, yeah, so, all right, so it's time for us to have our, you know, time apart and prayer and fasting or whatever. He's like, I'm saying as a concession, like, yeah, sure, that works, but it's not ideal. Anyway, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has the gift, another has one has this gift, another has that. Paul is actually speaking of the gift of not being married. You're like, that's a gift. And some of you, if, you're, if you have a rough marriage, you go, that's, yeah, that is a gift, you know? Yeah. For the, if, if you're engaged, you're like, that's not a gift. If you're single, you're like, maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Who knows? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But Paul, what, what we know about Paul is he was a devout Jew and it was very, um, it was not very Jewish of him if, if he was not married. Also, we know he's part of Sanhedrin, which they were all married. So there's a very, very, very good chance Paul was married before. We don't know what happened. It actually might be somewhat outlined in this, uh, as we're going to get down a little further and see. This might have been his situation. But for Paul, at this point, he believed that he had the gift of singleness. Now, understand this. This is a gift, is what he's saying. This is not like a, 
poor Paul, you know? How come he can't? Let's hook him up with a sister from Corinth, you know? Like, you know, he needs to... I, he just seems so sad all the time. Well, he's always in prison, you know? Like, he's like constantly, people are trying to kill him all the time. Like, that might be part of it. I don't know, you know? It's kind of an intense dude. I, I know someone in, you know, Thessalonica for you, Paul. Just go on up there. He's like, Sister Phoebe's been waiting, you know? She, she's going to say what's up, okay? No, he sees it as just that, a gift. Uh, next week, he's going to get in this whole thing of living as you're called. That's it. It's, it's really important, too. I, I, I think about this a lot. I'm obviously married. I have kids. So my frame of reference is married with kids, small ones at that, okay? So you're like, are you talking about trials? Let's talk about three children, you know? This is trial, you know, or, or let's talk about dying to ourselves. Well, let's talk about kids, you know, and marriage and all. Anyway, but the fact of the matter, and, and I do believe that, that marriages need to be strengthened. I think it's important, super important. That's why we do things like marriage retreats. That's why we have like married couples nights, nights out. That is really important. But I always think, man, you never want to isolate people who that's just not where they're supposed to be. And there's people in here that are single for what, whatever reason. There's lots of different reasons. And, and, but that it's, it can be a gift. Some, you know, down the road, it's not going to be like that, right? But to some, it's a season and it's a gift. And Paul sees the advantages of it. I'll say this. Maybe you guys remember this. Before you were married, guys and girls, did you have an issue with time? Like free time? Actually, how about this? Before you had children and you were married, okay? Tori, I, mean, I even said right before we, like when we first got married, we were like, what were we doing? We were tired, but what were we doing that made us tired, you know? Like, you get home and you'd have all night to do whatever you want, you know? The weekend, okay, let's go. You know, I, we literally, we, we were talking about one day, we had beach cruisers. Talk about having nothing. If you have a beach cruiser, you're riding a beach cruiser, you have nothing to do because you're not getting anywhere fast, <laughs> It takes forever to get anywhere, okay? Sorry, if you have a beach cruiser, just deal with it. That's your life, and you know it. You're wearing flip-flops too, aren't you? You don't cycle in those, man. That's not it. You need to clip in, okay? No, I'm kidding. But we rode our beach cruisers down to Vinaka from our house, and we literally played um, phase 10 all day long. We just sat there and refilled coffee and played face, like, like the whole day. We were like, like seven hours or something, just sat there. And the whole day was gone. And you're like, okay. And you're like, now I'm like, what a waste, you know? Like, what would I have done with seven hours, you know? That, but that's part of it. Like, and Paul's going to get into that more when he says, hey, look, those who are single, you have all the ability in the world to serve the Lord with your time. You have, you have that ability. A lot of times, the financials look a little bit different too, right? You're like, okay, I just go and do it, you know, and, and I can just do it. And so for him, for Paul, he's like, I am single and that is a gift. I'm okay with that. We don't know much about Paul's wife, but we know that he thinks being single is better. So that tells you something. Okay. But he says, some has one gift, the other has the other, right? He says, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay married as I do. 
there's no shame in being unmarried. That you remove the stigma. That's not, this is from the Bible, okay? So whatever you think, you just think. This is what the Bible says, okay? So stop. He's saying it's fine if you are. But if they can't not control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Again, this is a gift. This is a calling. Those who are married, if you're burning with passion, you need to get married. We used to like call people at the Bible college like, oh, there's burning with passion, you know, because they're like trying to find like, anyway, sorry. They're like, oh man, they want to get married so fast anyway. Um, yeah, that's how you know they do it. They get married and they live in the dorms on campus. You're like, that's burning with passion. You don't even have a plan, you know. <laughs> they have to work around that. But this is also not to say, I'm sorry, I'm saying a lot of things. This is also not to say that just because you, you deal with uh, uh, like some sort of temptation doesn't mean that, that that's burning with passion. Oh, I just got to get married. Everyone deals with temptation. Everybody, married, unmarried, you know, those called to singleness, those, I think everyone deals with temptation like that. This is where it's like, you know what? And people, by the way, you know, if you are this person, no, and I've had people say this, no, I need to be married. You go, okay, got it. I got it. (laughs) No, this is something that I need to, to do. And, you know, God brings that and you're like, okay, cool. But it's, it's also not as a solution to some sort of sexual addiction, that's another thing, right? If I get married, everything's going to be good. No, <laughs> that's not true. You bring a perverted sense into it, and that's going to be, you're not going to find that in the pure version. Get it? So if it's a natural, sorry, there's no kids here, right? It's okay. This is the Bible, right? But that's the, if there's a natural need, and you know you're supposed to be married, and I, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be married, and there's so many reasons why I'm supposed to be married. Like, I'm a much better man married. <laughs> Ask my friends, you know? Like, or, or just my life. Everything was like a mess, and un- it was all cluttered, and it was like, Tori has brought balance, and so much. She's just taught me so much, and I'm, I'm a 10 times better man because of the, the woman I married. And I'm, I really chose well on that one. I haven't made all the best decisions in my life. That was a really good one. Thank you, Roger and Julie. You guys did good. But that, that's just it. Like, if you bring something else into it, that's not going to be solved by that's not the solution. And people find that out because they thought, oh, I just thought if I had, you know, a way to exercise myself, I'd be good. And, you know, a lot of people in that position and they think, man, I struggled with this for a long time and I really do want to get it right and I want to figure it out and... But the fact of the matter is that stuff is going to have to be dealt with in a different sense. It won't be solved by this. So it's not like, oh, I just need to because I've been blowing it or whatever. So, but if she does, she must remain, so this person, she must remain unmarried. Oh, sorry, I missed it. Sorry. To the, un, to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. He's like, not just Paul, just so you guys know. Because remember they had an authority problem. The Lord said this, a wife must not separate from her husband. So if you are married, don't seek to be separated. Don't, in the sense, divorce. Oh, Paul's, I get it. 
Paul, he was married, now he's single. I'm just going to do the Paul thing. I'm going to follow him as he follows Christ. Jesus was single too. So, you know, sorry, I'm going to leave this marriage. That's not it, right? Don't seek to be separated in divorce. And I'm not saying that flippantly because I know it's hard. Especially when you marry someone you don't think you married. It's hard. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. This is uh, very counterculture to the to what we see as divorce and it's also to what they did in this time too they were they were totally fine with no fault divorce like no one's fault just you know bad mix maybe next time we'll start again we'll try again you know and Paul's saying like no no there's like real serious consequences to this I was listening to Guzik on this and he was talking about how uh in God's eyes, there's really only two groups of people. There's, there's those who are married and those who are uh, single. It's not like divorce and kind of like in between. It's like, no, but wait, what's the way you handle that? Like, what's the way you've gone about that? And everyone has their own stories. They've all been through crazy stuff. And a lot of it happens when you are not a believer. It's a different situation. But th- to take away the seriousness that marriage is to be taken with is... is uh, a big mistake. He says, to the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord. He's saying like, this one is me. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. So this is getting into like more drastic means. You're, you're a believer. You're married to someone who isn't and they don't want to leave you. You can't go. And also, by the way, it's not your job to drive them out. Let's make them want to go, you know. Turn up the heater, you know. It's like when uh, you're locking up, like, the church or something, and there's, there would be, I would have this at the packing house because it was such a big church. There'd be people who would stay, like, three hours after, and you're the person to turn off the lights. And you're just like, can you go to Denny's? Can you go, you know, like, cause you're just sitting there, and they're all talking, and you're like, I kind of got to go, you know? And I'm not trying to be rude, but you start turning off the lights one by one. And they like, the only lights that are on is the row they're in. And they still don't get it sometimes, you know? And so you have to like go in and be like, oh, um, you need to leave. Um, no, you don't do that. But you're like, hey, I'm sorry, I have to lock up the place. You think you can maybe continue the conversation outside? You say, oh, I thought this was a church. It is that didn't happen exactly like that but you know anyway so he it's the idea is not to bring these people in and to and to slowly work them out of your life because they're inconvenient to you this is uh actually a bit of a problem in this day and age Uh, barclay said this tragically much of the early church did not heed god's word uh, to keeping marriages together as much as possible when married uh, to unbelievers, one of the great heathen uh, complaints against the early church or Christians was that Christianity broke up families. One of the first charges brought against Christians was tampering with domestic relationships. See, this is a lot of the cults do this kind of stuff where they're like, all, oh, no, let's cut them off. Let's give you a new life, you know, a new name in a new village, you know, and start over. 
Let's get out of here quick. No, this is not the case because we have something that is something everyone needs, including your unbelieving spouse. I've actually been able to see it multiple times where in a beautiful display of grace, the husband comes to the Lord after 12 years. One of them was 12 years. She had become a believer. Um, this was the story. She had become a believer. They were both hippies, so they were living together, and they were doing the, you know, the hippie thing. And, uh, and she's like, oh, no, I'm sinning. Let's get married, you know? So they just got married, like, you know, and just went for it. And uh, they, she's just like, oh, okay. And she thought he'd, like, kind of come along, and he didn't. <laughs> and so it was 12 long years of, of, you know, being an example. And he ends up coming around, and all of a sudden, just, it, it's so funny. It's usually such a, like, a casual thing. Oh, maybe I'll go with you today. <laughs> what? <laughs> After 12 years? And he's just got this beautiful mind. Uh, he's a brilliant man, and he loves Jesus, and it's been so many years since, I don't know, 30 years since or whatever, and, and it's awesome. Um, this is also why it's important not when you're dating someone not to justify, well, I don't know, they like think they believe in a, like a higher power, you know. This is going to be a problem, okay? Because Christianity, your life is centered around Christ. If it's not, then you're, you're missing out on what Christianity is. You're missing out on what following Jesus is. A Christian is a Christ follower. So that means where he goes, you go. That's going to be hard with someone unequally yoked to you, isn't it? So you got to make sure you don't want to do that. You don't want to enter into that for no reason. So think about who you marry. Think about who you date. Think about how you conduct yourselves because, you know, the mind does a real good job of justifying things it shouldn't, right? We all know that. We've experienced that. So... Uh, uh, he's saying, don't be the one to call it. And then he says this, there's, there's, and there's blessings that can come from that, right? You're a firsthand, you have a firsthand opportunity to be a witness. And if you really are a witness of Christ, it should, it should be so evident to them of who you are that it's either going to make them be like, what is this about this? I love this, you know, and come around or be like, full-on hardened heart, and they're going to bail because of Jesus, right? You don't really want that. You want to see him coming to know the Lord through you. But I've also found it's, it's interesting a lot of times when you struggle in a marital relationship, you think, how do I get rid of this so I can start over? You, 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 why don't you pray? Why don't you dig deep? Why don't you invest in this relationship you have, right? It's the Bible, okay? So there you go. Verse 14, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the, his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, he's not saying that your, your wife or your husband that's unbelieving becomes saved because of you. That's not the case. But sanctified means what? Set apart, Right? The way you live your life makes you set apart, and they get some benefits from that. There's some real benefits from being around that, right? Your family, your household, right? The, the, the peace the, that passes understanding. You're, you're uh, in a sense, there's the favor of what God's doing in the life of the, that person. And the kids, there's a blessing that goes with that. He says, 
Uh, but verse 15, but if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound to such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. So in that case, basically it's like you're single because they bailed on you and they didn't want anything to do with you. But it should have been with you doing your very best. And here's the thing. We're not fooling anyone if we think we're fooling like God. Like you're, just, you're not getting anywhere. The best possible thing you can do is live your life submitted to his will, honoring him in everything that you do. Verse 16, how do you know, wife, whether you, you will save your husband or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? I mean, the way you live your life will, can absolutely bring them to know the Lord. Wow, that's gnarly, right? Now, what about to those who are married and you're like, well, I thought they were Christian. <laughs> they say they're a Christian. They're not acting like a Christian. I think the same principle applies, that your love for them and your ability to, to ex- bring grace and mercy and truth and, and be living in the Spirit will affect them. You look at them and you say, just like everything throughout Scripture, it's not, what, what, are, what are they supposed to do again? Oh yeah, they're supposed to give their body to me. It's you give your body to them. You give your affection to them. I think affection is actually even more difficult. Because what is affection? It's something you love. You can be affectionate for a lot of things. Like, you know, I am affectionate about, I like certain things I like to do. I, I'm affectionate for mountain biking. I really do. I like it. And at one point I took like some pictures and Tori's like, where was the last picture of me? And it was a picture of my bike. And I'm like... There's like a whole thing about that. That's like a thing, but it's not. It's not really a thing, but I just, you know, this just looks really good in this shot, you know? Sorry, honey, I love you. She's probably in the mother's room. But that's, that, the idea is to bring the affection in the way that they'll understand it and they'll benefit from it and they'll grow in it. And you'll find, it's not like a, see, I did it once and it didn't work, you know, like, you find that as you continue to do that, it really keeps you in love, right? Even the idea of being in love is, is kind of a scary proposition because it sounds pretty emotional, doesn't it? Like, I, you got to be in something more than just in love, right? You, it, we, it's, that's in the book, too, that we're just reading through. It's more than just being in love. You are serving that person, and you are honoring them in a covenantial, beautiful relationship. And it, the more you invest into it, the better it is, the better your life is at home. You ever heard of the saying, happy wife, happy life? It goes both ways, okay? But it's highly spiritual. We're called into that. Intimacy with the Lord, intimacy with one another. Love them like they want to be loved in an affectionate way. And don't cause them to stumble because you're holding a grudge. You can cause them to stumble, you're going to cause them to blow it, and you're going to have a much larger issue than just forgiving, forgetting, loving that person. You know the person that you stood up there at the altar and said, to, uh, for rich or for poor, you know, sickness and in health, till death does us part. And you're like so emphatic, yeah, you know. That person, all those promises, affectionately love your spouse. Those who aren't married, live as you are. Take advantages of that. 
I think one of the, the hardest things, like looking back, I, I mean, I got married when I was 25. I was young. But most of my friends got married. They were like Bible college kind of like whatever. They'd gotten saved, and they were like, let's get married. So they were all getting married at like 20. <laughs> so I felt old at 25 getting married. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are you, you know, it seems like life, I've shared this before, but you're like, what's, life's passing us by so fast. And <sighs> I met her at 23. Um, but you, you're so busy thinking about the next season, you don't use the season you're in. You're called to whatever season you're in right now for whatever reason it is. You're just there. And God wants to use that season in your life to be an impact in the kingdom. Single, those who are single and have that gift, or even if you don't have that gift and you're in a season of waiting, you have advantages that you can use. To the married couple, you have advantages you can use. And God wants to use you where you're at. Don't want to be something else. Be what you are. He'll bring the rest. Don't worry about that. If it's a desire and, and he knows it and he knows he has some, just don't stress on that. But be who you are and do it well. You know, you're like, oh man, get married. Oh yeah, have kids. Oh yeah, you know, maybe when they're a little older, it'll be easier. And they're a little older and a little older and they're, they're out of the house. I missed that time. What happened to that time? Where did it go? You know? Love the, the stage you're in. Live as you are called. And let God just minister in and through you to build something up in you and around you that's better than before. Nothing, there is nothing in life that doesn't take work. And a marriage is one of them, 100%. It takes work. It takes two people willing to invest. And when they both invest, it is beautiful. You will reap gains like you would have never imagined. But you, the main thing is, is you be the first. Who's the first? You. It's you. Not them. Don't worry about, don't worry about them. You know, God's speaking to them too. You do what you're supposed to do. And then God's going to get the glory. And that whole, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. And you're going to have something, if you're married and you have kids, the kids are going to see. And anyway, so I say that as an encouragement uh, this morning, just to recognize you're not your own. You don't belong. You're bought with a price by Jesus. And then when you're married, if you get married, you belong to each other because you're one. So don't live like you're alone. Don't try and keep pulling and se- to separate. That's not normal. That's not where you belong. You are together. So dig deep and make that together better, better, better. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and all the conviction that comes from it and the just the truth that is so heavy and, um, but such like a beautiful, is the spirit of the living God inside of you to empower you. Do you not know how beautiful that is and how crazy it would be to cover that up or to, to do anything that would hinder that his work in you to defile the temple, to bring Jesus with you where you go? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This, is, this chapter is really all about 
you are not your own. And you go, that's crazy. (laughs) Why would I sign up for that? Oh, it's beautiful because God has better plans than you do for your life. He has better ways of working things out and, and, and leading you. And you, if you can learn to not be all about yourself and be selfish and be selfless, you find out this is what it was all about. He starts using you. You start seeing where he takes you. Where are we going to go? But it's really sobering to think about the fact that, man, we are gods. We belong to him. And he paid full price for us. He, he absolutely cares about your purity. He absolutely cares about my purity. He absolutely cares about your thought life. He absolutely cares about what you do, where you go, how you react and interact with people and, and, and dealings. And when you've been wronged, how, man, how much of a bull you are to come in and say, I am the justice of the Lord. But to sit back and go, man, God, you are good. You are, I don't care. <laughs> I'm already so far ahead in this game. I was a sinner, dead in my sin. Ready, just, just death was standing at the door. I couldn't get out. I couldn't, you saved me from all of that. What's a small loss? Say it's a financial loss. Who gave you the ability to make it anyway? A lot of times you get stuck in your head and you go, oh my gosh, Lord, how is this gonna work? I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know how we're gonna do all these things and you start getting in your mind. You're like, oh, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, if I do that, ah, I, I got to manage, I got to manipulate, I got I don't know how to handle all these things. And you go, oh yeah, God's there too, huh? Maybe I'll just honor him, see what happens, you know? And he's like, oh, oh good, because I have no problems with any of this stuff. So just, just trust me, I've got you. Control, I, I, it's all under control. So don't try and make your life your own again because you're not good at handling it or managing it. Trust me. So that means taking the stuff that is so near and dear to you is like let go of this stuff so God could have more access and control of your life. Will you ever regret that decision? Never. Will it always be super easy? N- no. But you will never regret allowing God to have all of you and to giving up things that are holding you back, that are stopping you from just that running to win. That's coming up soon. And you're like, man, we are called to, to fly, to go, we to have those Red Bull wings. Don't sue me because I said fly, you know. I don't know. We're not, what's heaven going to look like? Are we flying? I don't know, you know, whatever. It'd be kind of cool. I'm not, no promises, though, you know. You can't sue me in heaven. I don't think you can sue in heaven anyway. I'm guessing from these texts. 100%, you can't, okay. But the fact of the matter is, is just like, man, we just allow God that full range of your heart, your mind, your body. Remember Paul speaking to them, remember what he said a couple chapters ago. I, you guys can have a bunch of teachers in your life. I'm your spiritual father. I love you. I want you guys to be free. Don't let this stuff take you out. Don't let it pull you down. Don't let it become your identity. Don't let it become your life. Follow Jesus, give him full access, and then you can run to win. All those weights and all those snares and chains just fall off. Be able to run to win with with a clean conscience before God, seeking him, honoring him. So let's pray for that. God, we are so, um, it's heavy. It's so heavy. How easy it is to get caught up. 
And we know that because we're humans and we experience these things. So God, help us to, to actually take real inventory in our life. Even as it says that list of, of things that are, are so prevalent in our culture and in every culture of mankind... Help us to look at those things and not look at the things that we see in others, that we'd see the things that are, man, that 